This is Alpha Geek Radio. The following presentation is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike Non-Commercial License. For more information on Creative Commons licensing, please visit www.creativecommons.org. Ladies and gentlemen, the casuals are here, and we are seizing control of the airways. This is Casually Hardcore, live on alphageekradio.com. For Sunday, the 26th of April, 2015, this is Casually Hardcore, and I am Gnomewise. And I'm Grail. And it's just us, though there may be a, uh, a Daxa sighting later in the show, Grail was telling me. True. So keep that. your eyes peeled, for she is a sneaky one. Uh-huh. She's stealthy. Things like that. You know, things in places with guys. All right. <laughs> what? Diving right in. So, Grail, you have uh, been away over the hills and far away for a couple of shows. Yeah. Uh, apparently uh, suffering a painful illness. Yep. Uh, it was awesome. I recommend every vacation have a sucky illness that... Basically, makes you do nothing. Bedridden, but you put the you put the bed writing to good use uh, to get caught up on all your nerd media, right? Yeah, yeah. So I caught up on everything listed on our sheet, as well as uh, you know things that were not, such as uh, Game of Thrones uh, and a uh, couple movies here and there as well. So well, our ho- good. Our household is now an HBO Now subscriber. Ah. so I may be joining you in the whole uh, game of people dying every episode. Yeah, exactly. Well, they're starting to finally veer noticeably off the books in that. Yeah. Uh, so, which which is good because we've also hit the my least favorite book ish <laughs> period of uh, Feast for Crows, uh, as well as Dance for Dragons, because really those are happening concurrently in, in terms of the timeline. So they're dipping into both the books now, but then changing some stuff pretty radically as well, hmm. uh, which is okay. Like I said, it's okay because so, some of these characters in Feast for Crows do nothing for page after page. <laughs> so Gosh. I'm okay with them actually giving them some purpose. Is George R.R. suffering from Jordan's disease? No. I, I don't know. I, I think he... Uh, he was just like, I'm going to get rid of, I'm going to get all the writing I have to do for these other characters that are important to the plot, but are not as fun for me to write. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of threw them all in the first book and then Dance for Dragons. It's like, okay, let's get to the back to the characters now. I actually enjoy <laughs> seeing what they're doing. Uh, and maybe that's just my take. Maybe he loves all his characters equally. I Who love knows? all my children the same. <laughs> exactly. Especially when I run them through with the broadsword. Yeah. Plus, I mean, they've already got a gigantic cast on the show, and he starts introducing uh, yet again more characters. Of so course. they're kind of consolidating some of the characters down um, and then keeping around some that in the books kind of vanish. Right. So, But they've become an established character on the TV show, so they have decided to roll with them. We're going to roll with it. Yeah. Just wing that mother. All right. So let's uh, touch first. On the one we've we've been giving the traditional Gilligan period to, 
but it's one of those weird ones because it's a Netflix original. Okay. Where the entire series dropped on one day. So all 13 episodes of Daredevil arrived fully formed, ready to go two weeks ago. Yes. Um, so this is likely to be a reasonably spoiler infested segment. If you have not caught up with the end of Daredevil, you might want to sit this one out. That being said, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, from where I sit, this is exactly what I wanted this to be. It's like yeah. they wrote it for me. And I'm not used to having my wishes catered to <laughs> quite so completely by the entertainment uh, industry. Um they went quite dark. They went very realistic. Uh, fight, fight choreography in particular was about as believable as I've ever seen in a comic book based production. Um, I'm thinking specifically of the episode two fight with the, the Russian. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, it was. That scene has a lot. I mean, that, that one is, is pretty much the the pinnacle to me of a lot of great fights. Yeah. But definitely, I mean, and the fact they do it in a, a single long take. Yeah. The one, entire scene. One long shot where our hero you know, exhausts himself. Yeah. Beating the snot out of, you know, what, what, eight or so, eight or nine Russian mobsters. Interns. Yeah. Yeah. You get this, like he's beating them down. Then suddenly kind of like wave two comes and yeah. it's like, Oh geez. <laughs> well, the, the beautiful thing is it really wasn't wave two. It was wave one getting back. Right. Up because people don't really go down with one hit unless they have a glass jaw and yeah. glass jawed people don't last long in the mob. So, right. <laughs> especially not as muscle guarding a kidnapped kid. Um, so I, I, you know, he had to solidly put down each bad guy multiple times in most cases. Um, and it's, you know, the only superheroic conceit is, is, oh, yeah, and he's blind. So you know, there's the comic booky part is, okay, the conceit of he's blind and he's still able to super sensory perceive everything as, as well as or better than a sighted person. And add to that, he's a kick-ass fighter. So it had the comic book fun undertone of, yes, this is the man without fear, blind guy, kicking ass, taking names. But it wasn't... You know, super kung fu, untouchable dude. It was he was getting the crap beaten out of him. Um, he was giving you know better than he got, obviously, because he won the day. But it was a great that kind of that whole fight sequence sums up for me the overarching feeling of this entire first series of Daredevil. Um, and they really beautifully laid the groundwork for the rest of the Hell's Kitchen series that are coming. Oh yeah. So they've you know they've set the stage, post Avengers, uh, just you know massively destructive uh, Battle of New York, and there's little breadcrumbs in there for the other series. Um, so there's the I I feel there's an obvious tie-in to Iron Fist, yeah, with the funky kid coming over in the cargo container from Japan when Stick was there to mm -hmm. kill what he referred to as that thing in the container. That wasn't a child. I mean, that has supernatural kung fu dude stuff written all over it in huge oh, letters. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of not named references to the hand. Right. And uh, 
to a lot of the the mystical stuff that they get into with also Gao there as well. Right. Um, so yeah, they definitely set the stage for for the Iron Fist eventual series, and of course Luke Cage, right. who has some tie-ins to that as well. I'm glad Jessica they didn't call Jones, I don't yet. know. I'm not as familiar with her at all, Me so either. I have okay. no idea where they're going with her. I mean, all I know about the character is she is a retired superhero turned right. detective. Right. Interesting. Uh, what so, kind does she have powers, or was she just a Daredevil style? I don't. We'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. So either way, it was, but fantastic show. Um, definitely in the vein of, you know, it's it's it, they went with the Frank Miller take on the character. Uh, <laughs> it's very dark, very hard boiled. Uh, in in the vein of kind of Arrow, except even with less of the poppy stuff that Arrow does, like there's right. no Huntress or anything like that here. Well, now that I've gone back and and you know continued watching Arrow and Flash. The really over the top, not well formed, cutesy comic booky things that they do in those stand out in sharp relief to me now. Yeah, and they weren't. I wasn't paying as much attention to them before, and now it's like, ooh, yeah, like like the Adam really grating on my nerves. <laughs> really, um, I know what they're going for with Ray of uh, the socially awkward. Um, over-eager, you know, the brainy science type, um, who's just you know not really connected with the people around him, who's who is way too optimistic and hey, let's take care of this and cool and oh, I, I just stomped all over your feelings, didn't I? And I'm totally unaware of that. Um, it's just a little over the top. I hope he gets reined in, especially for the, the spinoff series they're going to put him in. Um, so yeah, just by comparison, it has made me want even more out of arrow and flash is my is my popcorn it's it's my popcorn and milk duds it is you know i'm not in that for serious storytelling they have they have they have decent story arc going on um but this you know daredevil had story arc leading to huge story arc later on but it was a very nice complete story beginning to end told across the 13 episodes and I loved what they did with Kingpin, and, and they, oh, yeah. they've never referred to him as Kingpin, but no. he's you know simply Wilson Fisk in this. Um, I didn't see the approach they took with him coming at all, which was to make him relatable. Oh yeah, you know, show him the very first things we see uh, about him are scenes of massive vulnerability, where. He is putting him out, himself out there, trying clumsily and badly to form a romantic relationship. And this is, bef- you know, and if you didn't know anything about Daredevil, you wouldn't know where, why, why are they showing us this guy? What, what, you know, where are they taking this? And it makes it all the more stark and jarring when his ultra-violent side breaks loose later. Because all you've seen is the wealthy man across the table awkwardly trying to, you know, develop a relationship with with a lady friend, and when he goes off the hook, you're like, oh, oh, well, what, what the hell just happened? Well, um, I, a friend of mine, I think, put it the, the best way that I could sum it up is with the kingpin 
you get to a point where every time he comes on the screen, you fear for the life of everyone else in the room. Yes. And that's that's exactly what he becomes. Yeah. It's just this corked up, you know, violent rage monster who yeah, you're just never quite sure off. when he's going to murder everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um and but like you said, you still see the other side of him trying to develop a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and meeting basically the perfect woman for him. Um so he's yeah, he and I like the job the that Vincent uh D'Onofrio D'Onofrio did with it. Um yeah, I think he, he nailed it. Played him a little, I mean, it was a little odd to get used to his kind of breathless acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, he always sounded like he was uh, a little gasping-ish, yeah. but it it was just his take on how he would talk, so it was fine. I mean, I got used to it, and okay, it became very distinct. I mean, the, um, I mean, the, the kingpin we see in the comics is you know much further down this character's story, where sure. he, is, he is firmly embedded in his life of... But he, I mean, he doesn't see it as crime. He just sees it as he's very, very Darth Vader esque in the I, I want to bring order to the chaos here the best way I know how. He thinks he's helping his city the same way that Matt thinks he's helping the city. Their techniques yeah. are just well, a bit different. Well, that yeah, that was the the juxtaposition of the two characters. Both were trying to save the city. Right. Um, just each of them had their own idea of what that entailed. Right. And so, and of course, you know, the best villains are the heroes of their own story. And he, and he is he very much paint, painted that way, yeah. And, and, yeah. and it totally works in this framework. Um, yeah. And characters that could have been really annoying, um, the secretary and Foggy both, really well acted. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> and had interesting stories of their own mm-hmm. going on. Um the betrayal that the actor playing Foggy showed when he learned about Matt's other life that had been going on, you know, and, and things that he didn't know about Matt from the moment they met. It's like, you could basically see the entire time and you've been lying to me this whole time. The person I love best in the world. He... That, that the betrayal in the character at the time was, was just palpable. It's like, wow. Um, yeah. Suddenly this kind of me character is, okay, you are quite a fully formed person, and yeah, you would totally react that way if, if this was revealed about someone who you loved and trusted and had worked closely with for you know a couple decades. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, I have this whole other life I've been successfully hiding from you. Sorry. Right. No, it was it, it. Yeah, the acting overall was great. The story arc was really well done. The use of the fact it's on Netflix, so definitely this is no Agents of Shield. This is there's there are some four letter words. There are some very visceral violence in oh, it. Oh God, yes. Uh, and it's a you know it's a rough story, and and you know yeah, and you have a character who is. You know, a la Batman, I'm not going to kill you, but I have no problem putting you right at the edge of death. Mm-hmm. And, or, you know, it's a great scene when he, after he kicks the guy off the roof, and later on he finds out he's uh, in a coma, and he's like, I, I, I'm okay with it. Yeah. You know, um, definitely, you know, 
in that that style of character and harkens back to the fact you know obviously both takes of that character were written by Frank Miller yeah um, so it's it, it is his style but I mean it was for the first thing on Netflix for Marvel to put, to put out they knocked it out of the park yeah for a character I never really liked all that much anyway yeah I was I was coming from the same place as well as like this was my one of my you know sea level characters yeah um. And it was, it was it was nice, you know. They 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 saved the reveal of the classic costume for the very last right. episode, and had him learn the lesson of maybe you should get some body armor, and yeah. to learn about oh I can have this really cool light flexible body armor that Fisk is using. Right, uh, I got to get me some of that. Um, it was yeah. you know, definitely great, and it wasn't. It was a weird non-origin story origin story. It was an origin story for us, the viewers, because we were being introduced to the world. But he had been at this for a long time. They gave us very minimal flashbacks. Well, it was, I mean, this is where I, I would say it compares to heaviest to Arrow. They do it in the same style. Right. He's at the start of being the superhero, and at the same time, they mix in flashbacks to tell you how he got there. But very, um, very short snippets. Very short Basically, snippets. Bits, bits, here's uh, the bit where he's blinded. Here's right. the bit where his dad, you know, puts certain values into him and then gets himself killed. Yeah. Here's the slightly weird bit with Stick that we get basically get to see the beginning of the training and the end of his training. Right. When he screws up and is too too emotionally attached. Stick is I'm I'm, I'm thinking Stick might show up in some of the other miniseries here. He might be a th- he might be so. a through line. Obviously there well, I mean, I think this is the beginning groundwork for them to eventually get to the defenders. Oh, it definitely uh, is. I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's, where that's their stated plan. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it'll, it'll culminate. I think yeah. a lot of these, these threads, they started here. Obviously they still have Jessica Jones and, uh, uh, Luke Cage to go through. And, Iron and Fist. then I think defenders, and, oh, they, but they've they already Iron, said Iron they Fist intend as well. on do- I don't know if Iron Fist is going to be before or after defenders. Before it's all before defenders. Oh, is is all, it? Defenders okay. is all of them together. It's- okay. So, yeah, overall, I mean, you have a way to get to Netflix. You should watch this. Yeah, definitely. definitely <laughs> can can recommend. Definitely worth binge watching or uh, spinning out over several weeks. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a, there's a wealth of content out there. But this one, hope that, I hope they're able to maintain this level of quality. Um, and I hope this has the effect that I've always been openly praying for on this show, which is to encourage other content providers to cater to their niche audience. Yeah. Um, and say, you know, we will make enough money off of this for it to be worth our while. It doesn't have to be a blockbuster. It doesn't have to be the next big thing. It merely needs to be enough. Um, so bring us, you know, the quality stories we want to see catered to us. And don't worry about it being a you know, $200 million movie. Let the other department handle that. Uh, No, and hopefully, yeah. I mean, this one definitely made me want to send Marvel five bucks just to say, give me more. Here, this is this is a good job. You know, keep keep this coming. And they've already Netflix has already announced they picked it up, obviously for season two as well. They would be Daredevil, not too. Which is interesting because that's the first indication that they are interested in taking it beyond the Defenders movie, right? So this will be a continuing serialized um, that this. Dax and I were talking about this last week. Um, George Lucas must be very happy because one of his stated goals was to give 
homage to and bring back the old movie serials from the cinemas where you, every couple of weeks you'd have a new Flash Gordon. And mm-hmm. that is now happening. I mean, we're going to have a Star Wars movie every year for the foreseeable future starting this year. Right. With, the, with, them, with them peppering in the anthology movies. Effectively, that's exactly what they're going to be doing here on Netflix, where we'll have serialized seasons of these stories in this little you know, bottle of Hell's Kitchen, New York, inside the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe. But each of these things, the television shows, the movies, the comics, um, there's, there's a few comics they've been making that are tie-ins directly to the MCU, mm-hmm. um, are all like the old movie serials. They're continuing stories in the... You know, in the universe, we just keep coming back for, you know, what's this, what's this week's story? You know, what's, where's Flash Gordon going this week? Right. Um, and so Star Wars is doing it. Marvel is, is clearly doing it. I think Fox and Sony want to do it. Um, and we haven't seen that in, you know, in cinema and television since, you know, the 40s and the 50s. Um, it, was, it was a dead art that is now coming back. It'll be interesting to see how long it, uh, it goes on for this go-around. Mm-hmm. All right, back to regular TV. Now, you've been away, so I'm going to let you lead this because I don't know where you left off and where you are. Uh, which, I, which one do you want to hit I first? Have, I have no idea, so um, I don't remember where I left off, but I'm caught up all the way, so I have to try to just peel back one episode right. of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, which has much like the first season it took a while took late into the season for it to actually start picking up and catching my interest more mm-hmm. uh definitely more much more than it did at the start uh which i mean it helps when you you know anytime you featured uh edward james almost kyle mclaughlin i i tend to watch the show more yeah. or be more interested in it because they're they're they have great presence on the the show even though edward james almost hasn't been in a huge amount uh he's interesting as the real shield yes, the director real shield. <laughs> or admiral whatever he is uh so that one um yeah i don't remember where we last talked about I think but the last one if, that we um let's look at the episode list here <laughs> don't want to accidentally cross over the line episode list alright so Melinda is the last one we should talk about which is the backstory episode on Agent okay. May right? where we learn where she got the name the, Cal- the Calvary and see you know, they, they'd, all, they'd often referred to the events in Belize, and we right. get to see those, and, and it's, it is a big inhuman tie-in, um, and it's a huge, the, the May we see at the beginning of the flashback is unrecognizable compared to who we met originally in the series. Right. She is happily married, planning children with her husband. Um, you know, she is a, a bright, optimistic, happy person. And this episode destroys all that. Yeah. One little super-powered teenager, or I guess 12-year-old or whatever she was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. It was one of those, like, okay, I mean, it, it didn't really uh, 
catch me off guard with what the plot twist was that it was really the little girl was controlling it, people. Was that even meant to be a twist? I mean, I, I, I <clears throat> took one look at her and said, oh, she's the super. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> so a little too tropey. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've never accused Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. of really going, uh, you know, out there with, with what it does mm-hmm. in terms of its plot. So it is what it is. Uh, you got an interesting take on her. Uh, and otherwise, it it set her up to become less trustful of Coulson right. and basically made her kind of start shifting instead of being on Coulson's side, buying into what the other half of S.H.I.E.L.D. was looking for, which they're, they keep stating their goal is transparency. They just want to get everything out there. Right, and she's uh, finding all this alleged information about what Coulson apparently has been doing behind her back. Right. It's not clear if they're spoon-feeding false information to her to paint a picture so she does turn. Because uh, there's there's zero indication from when the story shifts to Colson's perspective that he was ever doing any of this stuff. Right. Well, I mean, there is. He definitely did outfit uh, Deathlock. Yeah. And nobody seemed aware of that. So right. he, he um, you know, Mike was kept informed and kept upgraded and called in at the last moment to save his butt. Um, mm-hmm. It's good. It's good to have him back. Uh, yeah, back on on scene. Um, I, I like that actor. I like Jalgus Richards a lot. Yeah. And to have him, you know, off the leash of of being controlled by his captive son's keepers. Uh, now he's just kind of settled into badass mode, right? Um, and right. missiles in his forearm, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So you have that. I mean, you have the really slow progression of Sky's power, which they really could speed up a little bit. Um, and she does eventually demonstrate a pretty decent ability of blowing away a good chunk of a forest as mm-hmm. well as uh, the dude from Fringe who <laughs> tried to shoot her. <laughs> so it was, it's, it's nice that obviously the teleporting guy is a lot more interesting of a character in terms of superpower. Uh, but you see, they are bringing in more folks uh, you have her kind of sponsor guy who has electrical powers, yep. which is could be interesting as well, even though, again, he's not very flashy with it. Uh, so they're, they're progressing along. And then, obviously, in the new episode, this already takes place, but if you watch the preview for the new episode, you see that it's doing a classic Whedon thing of bringing back the estranged you know, group member yeah. back to the just somehow working away for them to have to work together again in, in terms of right. Ward, who again is also one of the only, one of the most more interesting characters on the show. Mm-hmm. So they definitely needed to figure out a way to get him back on the air more instead of just running around with Agent Thirty Three. Thirty Three, yeah. So I think uh I think Ward should be Agent Crazy Pants. Yeah, that'd be okay. To go with Doctor Evil Pants. Right. Yes. Welcome, Dexa. Hi. Yeah. I've been back for a while. I've just been listening to you guys. <laughs> uh, see, I told you. Stealthy. Yeah. <laughs> so, overall, it's it's still worth our time. Um, you know, and I, and uh, we're only a couple of weeks away from Age of Ultron, so, of course, we'll want to see the before and after. Yeah, I'm curious to see if they're going to tie things in or, or let it pass this time. Yeah. So we shall we'll, see. We shall see. So, moving on, uh, Arrow 
has been good as well. Uh, I love Arrow. You have him progressing. Basically, the the torture of the season now is Ra's al Ghul, who basically wants to make him the next Ra's al Ghul. Mm-hmm. And to do so, he is going to screw up his life as much as possible. I just, I it, it drives me nuts that it, that, um, the arrow is so surprised at the lengths that Raza Gol will yeah. go. I mean, he's basically the leader of a bunch of assassins, and he's surprised he would go after his sister and so on. And people in the city. And people in the and city. And all just, this stuff. I mean, if he's surprised he would go after his sister, random people in the city, who cares? Obviously, he's going to go after whoever. Well, he's going after the city because it is Oliver's dedication to protecting his city that keeps him going right keeps him there oh i know i know why he's doing it i just i'm it it drives me nuts that oliver thinks it's so surprising he would do it well uh, like he's an honorable assassin well Mm. but it's a matter of great you're gonna you're gonna bring me in against my will what the hell kind of a leader do you think i'm going to be right in those circumstances Well, well i'm sure that Roz probably has i mean he's broken some pretty apparently some pretty good men if he but do it, you want a leader who had to be broken? I mean, I mean if he was bringing him just as, just as a minion because he had useful skills, I would buy this tactic. But, but he top wa- minion. Right, but no, he, he wants him to replace him. So he wants to be well, a I new leader. Of, well, if he's brought in against his will and his, and his will is broken to force him to be there when he doesn't want to be, how good of a leader could he possibly be? I just don't, I don't Dep- get it. Depends on how well you break them. If you break them into believing your cause wholeheartedly, then he's going to be an amazing leader. Well, I think also he wants, and I mean, they've already demonstrated that Oliver was tempted somewhat by the original offer. It wasn't, I mean, so he has it in him that Mm -hmm. like, maybe it's not a bad thing to go do this. And so I think Ross is looking at it like you just need that little extra push now to to take it. And you need to learn how to let go of all the the crap that's kind of holding you back, your friends, your family, your city. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, I think it's been a good story. Uh, I mean, the the episode that we left off on that's out of the Gilligan period is Broken Arrow, which is after the mayor has been assassinated. Yeah, uh, he was assassinated. He also revealed to uh, Captain uh, Lance that uh, Oliver Queen is the Arrow. After all. Uh, say what? He is the Arrow after all, because they'd gone through yeah. it where he'd been accused once before and, right. and been cleared. And that was his plan to get right. caught and then cleared. Uh, so you have that. And some, you know, we also have him basically shunning Laurel, which I was pretty happy with. I thought that was a well-done scene a couple episodes ago when he finds out about uh, Sarah being killed and the fact she knew, and he basically is like, I love you, but I know I'll never trust you again. Right. And just really uh, you, you kind of You didn't tell me her. about my daughter being dead again. Yeah. And you've known about this arrow and you've been helping the whole time. And right. wow, wow, let's talk about levels of betrayal. Yeah, uh, so I, I think he's done a good job now. The whole season, though, is a little strange to me, considering it started off with them making a statue to the arrow in the city. Yeah. <laughs> For him to go from that to, like, oh, no, he's a criminal, well, it's, it it's, was it's a little a, fast. It's a testament to how effective Ross uh, tactics yeah. have been. Now, this, so, was, this was also an episode where they brought in a little uh, little salting of the Flash, because it involves a metahuman. Um, yes, 
criminal coming. I swear that's the same actor that plays uh, the teleporter in. Yeah. Without it seems like he, it. Huh? He has this, definitely has the same body type. And if right. you put the put the uh, the uh, no the eyes makeup. makeup over him, it could totally be the same guy. And right. ironically, this guy has uh, uh, basically optic blast, a la Cyclops powers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Death bolt. Yes. Oh yeah. Death that's bolt. right. Death bolt. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> like, with the the names continue. Names. Yeah. So Oliver is, of course, a one in man, um, or not not one in because Roy decides to jump in and say, "No, I'm, I'm actually the arrow," and so he takes the fall, goes to prison. Oliver's being watched by the police, though, so he can't actually run around and be the arrow. Uh, so they have to end up relying on uh, Ray Palmer as the Adam to go take out Deathbolt, since. Uh, there is nobody else around that can uh, handle this guy. Yeah, this was and kind I, of the Adam, the Adam uh, promo show. I really like how they did it, though. I really like that they showed that just having a badass armor suit of armor doesn't make you a, a good fighter. Right, it right. just makes you hard to hit. Yeah, there was the cute little uh, MacGuffin of uh, them slaving the suit to Oliver. Um, letting him re- remote control Ray, um, and I like that the suit is clearly still in like late alpha, um, right? And right. Is, is is far from fully functional, far from durable, um, and so that was part of the fun of the Iron Man movie was was walking through the development with Tony from you know crappy prototype that freezes up to you know the the Mark 2 Mark 3 suits right. that finally began kicking ass um we're, they're they're going through that same evolution with the uh the Adam suit um I'm curious if you know this is this is Ray Palmer this is the Adam when when comes the shrinking and the growing um eventually is that going to be from the nanobots he put in himself any maybe accidental side effect or is, uh, who knows um, so, uh, Barry, what, uh, what made you call so soon? The delicious irony of, you mentioned that, um, the actor who played, uh, the villain of the week, this episode, the metahuman that showed up in Starling city that you didn't recognize. And you thought maybe was the same actor who was, uh, uh, Gordon, what's Gordon on, on agents of shield. Mm-hmm. That guy is known as the most famous actor who no one recognizes because he's most commonly in a suit. Everything. He's in everything. Yeah, he, I remember he plays, him. He, he's Doug Jones. He plays Abe Sapien in the Hellboy movies. Ah. He, he played uh, the he, dude with eyes in his hands in um, Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, he did. He's okay. most commonly known as some guy that dresses up in costumes. Now, is, this, is this the guy who is Gordon? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it's funny that you didn't recognize mm-hmm. him because that's what he's most known for is not being recognized. Gotcha. Right. Well, it makes total sense then. Um, he had a little bit of a, um, what's the actor, Dave uh, Marsters uh, vibe. A little Miles. bit. James yeah. Marsters. Was too. Well, he had the big trench coat and then the short blonde hair going on. Um, not as cute as Marsters. No, 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 no. But, the, you know, Death Bolt. Um, and they also teased a little bit of how the atom is going to become the atom of, of shrinkage in that episode where he showed up on <laughs> Flash, well, right? That's, that's where we're heading next. It's yeah. the all-star, all-star team-up episode of Flash. So let's head over to... Oh, wait a second. Oh, hang on. I mean, we're missing kind of the big, the big, the big stuff of yeah. Arrow. The big wham here. 
So you have you have the because since somebody's supposed to die, yep. uh, you have the the head fake of Roy getting killed in prison, right? Which ends up being a uh, clever ruse Planned to uh, basically allow him to get out of prison, uh, be thought to be dead, yep. think the arrow is dead, and free up Oliver to go do his stuff. And Roy promptly leaves the show, right? right? Or at least. For, for looks like he leaves the show and that he gives the big farewell and he drives off into the sunset. Cue mm-hmm. uh, then the final scene of Roz showing up in Thea's apartment and working her, despite any training, basically beats the crap out of her and then sp- impales her on a sword. I, I am not left-handed. Right. Yes. Uh, so uh, yeah. uh, you're left thinking, ah, she's dead, but of course uh, this is Roz, so there's always a Lazarus p- pit that could be in play. Uh, so, But it was a uh, pretty good a good fight scene at the end. I mean, he puts her through a table and then impales her. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a pretty uh, devastating blow. And, and, you know, this is definitely in the vein of the Dresden Files. Like, anything that can kick the crap out of Oliver, they're willing to do. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Do not give him a moment's peace. No. Uh, well, that's that's been Rob's whole tactic. Is you know, yeah. I will relentlessly come after you until you you bend to my will. Say well, that's yes. been everybody's tactic. I mean, that was uh, what's this? Deathstroke's tactic before, except he wasn't trying to get him to come to his will. He was just trying to do it to hurt him. Right. Uh, so you know, everybody has it in for a parali. Yeah, and I, I just looked at that final scene and said, "Oh, we are going to see the Lazarus pits." Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it Absolutely. wasn't as quite as uh final is like when his mom was killed right well but if you didn't know well no because they did kind of show it beforehand in the show i was gonna say if you didn't know the comics but no they showed it in the show they showed in the show and they show it in the preview for next week yeah Yeah, so everyone was smart enough to guess what was happening right but again it gets him to go to bad guy hq and gives Roz a big bargaining chip says oh you want to use my uh my hot tub uh cool uh just you know stay and do my will yep Ah, so yeah, that, but that was that was a good scene, and and the, yeah. the I'm, I'm continually impressed by the actor they got playing Razal Ghul. Yeah, uh, he is he's just fun. awesome. Yeah, he's good. He's just a really good bad guy. He's yep. a good Raz. Um, mustache twirling without actually twirling the mustache. Well, he's got that. He could though. That yeah. tired inevitability. Yeah. Like, eh, he's yeah, weird, you're yeah, gonna yeah, I'll, I already know how this ends. Yep. <laughs> so, um. But yeah, Flash was all-star team up with uh, Ray and Felicity heading toward uh, Central City. Central City. And mm-hmm. the fact that they called it all-star team up, which is a classic DC crossover yeah. title that they would regularly do between uh, series, mm-hmm. was fun. Yeah. So I have the opposite effect for Daredevil that you had. Like you're driving up a wall on certain things about Arrow. Daredevil makes Flash just drive me up a wall. <laughs> like, yeah. It is becoming harder and harder. It's, Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. has gone a notch above Flash now in terms of my least favorite superhero show that I'm still actively watching. The characters in Flash <laughs> are so dumb. Well, they're they so, are. But they don't even, they don't stick with their, what they've established. Their values. They're, they're, they flip-flop on so many of his powers and yep. so much of what happens just back and forth. And you're like, really? St- just stay consistent. That's mm-hmm. all I need right now from you. I don't even need it to be good. I just need consistency. Yeah, not so much. No. Uh, so yeah, we had the two episodes that we 
can now talk about the all-star team up and who is Harrison Wells. Right. Um, uh, all-star team. I mean, it was really contrived and worst villain yet. Uh, the actress they got to play her. Oh, bug-eyed girl, bug-eyed bandit. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> bug-eyed bandit. The bee girl. The bee girl. Yeah. Queen bee. Um, well, that's what they called her, though, was yeah, bug-eyed bandit, but right? Just, uh, yeah. <laughs> But it's, uh, part, part of it was, was, was Ray. Ray was getting in. You know, Ray and Cisco are, are really clicking, uh, and, yes. and the, the naming thing is hey, you're the only person I've met who's good at this. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the how were those robotic bees a threat to Barry in any way? Anyway, he he would just stop moving. For no reason. Right. Why did you stop moving? You could yeah. be in the next county by now. No, there's bees in the way. Uh, and you, you think he couldn't swing a bat fast enough to like smack down a few of those bees too? Uh, I mean, I just, I don't get it. Do yeah. the whole whirlwind thing. I don't know. It's, it Again, they made him too powerful too soon and now they're struggling with coming up with classic villains that actually threaten him in any way. Yeah, and the way they make him threaten him is to make him dumb and make him backslide as far as his abilities are concerned. Right, um, and basically give him an excuse to send Ray in because right. his suit, even though he has a visor and a big exposed jaw and everything, is going to protect him from the bees. Yes, <laughs> because hand waving and reasons. Right, and yeah. then he has to go, and then he's like. Well, if I go in the water, it's like, you didn't make your suit waterproof? <laughs> what You're flying around. What happens if it rains? Are you going to just <laughs> fall out of the sky? As I said, it's in late alpha. It's not yeah, even... Jesus. <laughs> you know, I think step one, maybe. Well, he can't even get the power to work correctly. Let yeah, him get the power, and then they'll get the waterproofing. Uh, maybe slap a little caulk on there or something. I don't know. Yeah. It was just... Put a rain slicker over it or something. But yeah. Definitely with with uh, Barry, his so it, it, it was a silly villain. Mm-hmm. They do the team up. Um, I like that the there was little funny bits in the yes. team up. I like how she said at one point that it was like dating Barry, um, th- dating Barry in Oliver's body, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, Felicity says about you know her new guy, mm-hmm. which it, it, which is funny, and there was some funny bits in yeah. it, but. That was pretty much it, in my opinion, for that episode. Yeah. That episode had a couple of funny bits. It was nice to see them all together because I like when Felicity goes at, and works with that other team. She mm-hmm. seems to be funnier when she's over there because the Arrow is so serious. Yeah, right. And even though she does have funny bits in Arrow, it's just more of a serious vibe. So when she goes over there, she gets to be well, more comedic. And she even comments on that when she first gets there. She's like, why is everybody so down? Like, this is supposed to be the happy place. Exactly. <laughs> like I, I get enough of this brooding crap when I'm in uh, Starling. So. so yeah. So I think that 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 was cute, but that was pretty much it. Yeah, I didn't care for the villain at all, and the premises was dumb. And yeah. yeah. You know what they need to do crossover wise? <laughs> Since Roy seems to be clear and, and doesn't have anything going on right now, he should become the security guard at Star Labs because they desperately need one. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> It seems like anybody could just walk right in there. Well, they got a bee. I mean, the bee is on his suit, like, really? Uh, well, like, there's constantly, like, someone will just show up there and be like, right. aha, I've discovered your secret lair. <laughs> well, it's not really that secret. It's like this big, huge building that says Star Labs on right. it. 
But Not to mention I, all the supervillains they're keeping in the basement now that seem to escape on a rotating schedule. Yeah. Uh, even though it was in Arrow, I did love the fact that Ray brought up, like, how do you feed these people and how do they do yeah. their business? How do they complete the transaction? Yeah, and they totally don't answer <laughs> <Nope>. it. <laughs> Just let it go. Uh, yeah. But I mean, and that was also an important piece. It is Flash related. The fact that Deathbolt, they do determine he became a metahuman, but he wasn't in Central City when that happened. Right, until there may be metahuman. This, that's groundwork for the new spinoff series. Sure. Um, and you know that Arsenal is going to be a part of that new yeah. spinoff series. It'd be a good tie-in for him. And I, and it's too bad because his character actually did start to really like. I, I like thought his he was character. Good. Yeah, I like um, his character a lot. Yeah, I think uh, they needed to write him out because uh, an, an obvious potential solution was that Roy assumes the mantle of the of the Arrow, and Ollie goes off and right. becomes the Demon's Head, and right. now he can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and so so next week we'll be able to talk about who is Harrison Wells, where every. Every character takes a stupid pill because <laughs> just oh this this next episode this was a hard one yeah it was me. still technically Gilligan but ugh. I know not but looking forward to it no no it was not it, I mean Jesus and we didn't even talk about it. maybe you guys talked about the one where Captain Cold and Mister Flaming Head come back <laughs> along with Mister Flaming Pants <laughs> which yeah. I mean. Even that one, you're just like, really? Do you have to act Captain Cole with the C? Yeah. yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you a C like, type vibe to it. And like, his, his accent, the way he does yeah. it with that voice, really grates on me. It's just yeah, Captain so Cold, bad. Heat Wave, and Golden Glider. No, thank you. Oh, <laughs> oh God. So Again, yeah. the, the, the Daredevil effect is, is just making, this, making my head hurt even more. It's like, uh, this could be a whole lot better. I know. I, it's still way, I, cartoony and fun, and I'm and still enjoying it from that aspect. But serious storytelling, eh, not so much. Not so much. And yeah. since I wasn't here for the De- Daredevil discussion, well, I was here, but I was listening to you guys discuss it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only watched like five episodes now because I was like, I'm just going to watch one episode, so at least I know what you guys <laughs> just, are talking about. You can't eat just one. <laughs> no. Five episodes later, <laughs> so <laughs> it's really good. Got it is. Ya. It is very good. Um, I. I do have an issue with the way that he talks too. I know Kingdom? Grail said. Well, I just thought it was it's a distinct, but it does grow on you. It, to I, me it, it better grow right. on me because right now every time he speaks it's like, oh. Man, but but I do like also um when they met his old colleague who's working at the one of their old colleagues that's working at the law, law firm the blonde. Oh yeah. yeah. I, th- I that whole speech that they had there I thought yeah. was really good. Of she them she to remains a significant character, actually. So um, I mean, I, it's her. it's really good. So yeah, I'm glad that you guys talked me into watching that. I, lo- yeah, we- I love Foggy's. You really were something back when you had a soul, right? Soul. right. And yeah. scenes like oh, sick burn, burn. burn. <laughs> yeah. All right, that brings <clears throat> us uh, neatly to the end of television talk and a good time to take a break in the show. So, you are listening to Casually Hardcore, live on Alpha Geek Radio. You can uh, participate in the show. Send us emails, theshow at alphageekradio.com. That's theshow at alphageekradio.com. Or come to our subreddit, alphageekradio.reddit.com or reddit.com slash r slash alphageekradio, whichever you prefer. Send us links during the week. Upvote and downvote what you find there. And let us know what kind of nerdy stuff you want us to uh, focus on in each episode. We have some more 
sci-fi drinking songs here from Mark Gunn for this break. This one is called La 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 Geeks. We shall return right after this. This is Justin Robert Young from the Weird Things Podcast. You're listening to Alpha Geek Radio. Lords and ladies, it is time once again to sing a song about the letter L. Now, I will try not to make it too lecherous or lascivious, lest you end up with a lobotomy. These L words were picked by Lube, the loyal order of bards. Let's see how he did. Are you ready? Well, let's go then. La, 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 labyrinth. La, 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 laboratory. La, 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 leprechaun. La, 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 leaf on the wind. That's a good start. But what about some L names like La, 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 Legolas. La, 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 Lex Luthor. La, 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 Lancelot. La, 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 Princess Leia. Well, if we're really going to do Leia, then we need to also add La, 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 Lucky. La, 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 Luke Skywalker. Okay, that's kind of weird. La, 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 Lightsaber. There we go. La, 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 Live Long and Prosper. Um, I think I kind of lampooned my movie genre so well. La, 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 Laser. La, 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 Lovecraft. La, 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 Last Unicorn. La, 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 Wingardium Leviosa. La, 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 Lilliputian. Oh, well, listen to me. Cause L is such a lovely letter. Like legitimacy or layer, like on your Facebook if you dare. So why not la 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 with me? <laughs> hey, this is Veronica Belmont from Vaginal Fantasy, and you are listening to Alpha Geek Radio. Casually Hardcore continues live on AlphaGeekRadio.com, part D. So we have news from the nerd world, also known as the interwebs. Yes. Um, so in and amongst and at the tail end of Star Wars Celebration uh, goodness last week, um, we got details on the first of the anthologies in the Star Wars movie universe. So basically they've created this category of movie. If they're not a numbered film, if it's not you know seven, eight, or nine, one of the main through lines, they refer to them as anthologies as a subtitle. So Rogue One was the first of the anthology films to be talked about. And they went so far as to actually give us a, a very teaser trailer, which shows almost nothing. Right. But they also gave a plot summary. And... Interestingly, the film is set between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope and focuses on a group of rebels undertaking the original theft of the plans for the Death Star, which, you know, is the the opening scene of New Hope is Princess Leia fleeing with a copy of those 
uh, plans. So this is, how did the rebels get those plans? And did many Bothans die to obtain the information? We shall see. Um, and the big plot point that they were very clear on is no Jedi. There right. Will, there will be no lightsabers. There will be no mysticism. There will be no Jedi. Because this is during the dark times when they are all but exterminated. So you want your fix of pseudo-Jedis, go watch Star Wars Rebels. In, even though this is set in the same time period. Um, so I find myself in the weird place of being excited for a Star Wars prequel. Because <laughs> technically yeah. that's what this is. Well, I think, and I mean... Hopefully, and depending on how much episode seven has in it, it would be, you know, they can truly use TIE fighters and X-Wings and like they don't need to make up different designs or anything because it's set in this period. Now you can use all the classic ships and really make it a, uh, a fun space opera and hopefully have a lot more stuff space battles in it because <laughs> that's something i thought the three prequels really lacked was there wasn't much space battles and the ones they had were kind of meh i mean the opening sequence in revenge of the sith was not bad that wasn't bad that was, that was a fun opener um but that i mean over three movies yeah that's it well, it was lots of land wars in yeah. uh, Attack of the Clones and all that. But uh, you're, yeah, there was kind of that Jango Fett uh, Obi Wan Kenobi fight. That was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. That, that was kind of sub, you know submarine chase kind of a thing with the, right. the, the depth charges, which were a cool effect. But right. the yeah, we'll see. I mean, with the, with a title like Rogue One, which harkens to uh, Rogue Squadron, which was Luke's right. Luke and Wedge's uh, X Wing Squadron. Um, right. And eventually becomes Wedge's special forces right. team. Um, <clears throat> not sure if we'll see. You know, this. Oh, this is the early day. The, the the age doesn't work out. He he would be too young because he was kind of a kid when we met Wedge at the Battle of Yavin. Yeah, he he looked sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> he, maybe maybe you'll have Wedge's dad there or something. Well, we see or mom. We see Wedge's dad in the opening scenes of Episode Four uh, on right. the on the end of Darth Vader's arm. Um, so oh, that's cool. Yeah, that was Captain Antilles. Bye, Dad. Um, yep. so he could totally be in Rogue One because he won't be dead yet. Wearing those cool helmets. <laughs> those wacky. Oh, helmets. Yeah. <laughs> those were. I mean, I know it was to clearly delineate the good guys from the bad guys, but did they really need to look like? <laughs> I don't know what the hell were those. We were, I have no. <laughs> it was like the worst bicycle helmet yes. ever. <laughs> Super aerodynamic bicycle helmets. <laughs> Maybe yeah. they were killing time by well flying through space by playing like handball or something. There you go. That could be it. Yeah, dude, you interrupted our handball game. Brought so, me an ultra cricket. But, but yeah, like you mentioned before, I think it's an interesting thing that they're going to have the main plot movie, the numbered ones, but then fill in some of the gaps between these movies with these one shot kind of anthologies. Yeah, I mean, we're looking uh, for the um, bounty hunters movie is right. uh, talked about. So the first two, so but it'll be, it'll be a numbered movie anthology, numbered movie anthology right. for the next little bit here. So we will be swimming in Star Wars every holiday season for the foreseeable future. Oh, darn. So you could almost consider them Star Wars holiday specials. <laughs> Cue the Ewoks. Exactly. Yup, nub. <laughs> All right. I may have to um, 
injure you for that one, Barry. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting a mark in the ledger here, so next time we see each other, uh, you won't know where, you won't <laughs> know when, but the bitch slap is uh, queued up for you. It was totally worth it. <laughs> ah, life day. Anyway, uh, so again, we it's what a time to be a nerd. Uh, we have just all kinds of good news coming out one after the other after the other. Yep. I will take it. All right, let's talk about Steam since they uh, made quite a big change this week. Uh, funny enough, on the heels of their free weekend for Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, mm-hmm. they announced that that is going to be the first game they're going to allow modders to set price prices for their user-created mods. That and, is so cool. And, and sell and be, it. And be paid 25% of what we take in. But, you know, it's but for the better kids. Better than 0%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, so supposedly some amount of the money is going to go to charity, uh, but obviously of that 75%, there's some sort of split between Steam, Valve, and the uh, publisher of the games, in this case, Bethesda. Uh, but 25%, after you've you know proven some tax information or provided some tax information, as well as uh, a bank account, they will route money to you. Uh, and in terms of Games to do this on, I would say Skyrim is, I I would say it's the number one modded game at this time. Mm -hmm. I mean, the amount of mods out there for it are just ridiculous. Uh, And they made some changes with a recent patch to allow the Steam Workshop to actually have mods that are over, uh, what is it, 100 gigs in size limit? They had some size limiter on what you could put up there, which excluded a lot of the the total conversion type mods. Right. Um, So it's interesting. I'm I'm curious to see how many modders decide to go that route. Uh, And they give they're giving them options. You can set a price, or you could set it just as pay what you want. So if you feel like donating to a mod modder, uh, you can easily do it through Steam. So it does, uh, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a step in the right direction, personally. I feel like there's a lot of games out there that I have played with mods that people have made. And right now, all they can do is put out their mods and hope that someone really, really likes it and someone in the industry sees it and someone in the industry likes it enough to give them a call and offer them a job. Yeah. Or something to do or throw some money their way, which is all they're hoping for right now. But at least this way, they have tangible proof of how many people love their mod because Mm -hmm. they're paying for it. No, this is, uh, I mean, the the people immediately railed against the 25% thing, but it's really, that's not without precedent. No. Um, And you're right. It is, you know, here's your, we're getting your stuff up here on the big stage. And getting you in front of all kinds of customers, and it's way more than the zero you were getting before. So if you've got a quality product that people are going to want, you're going to make some money off of this, and but better, you're going to get exposure, mm-hmm. right? Because a, a lot of these modders do this with the intent of hoping to be noticed and be picked up by these studios to become a programmer, and to or to make DLC for them. Just there's basically here is my resume, boom, and I call it my mod. And right. it's, it's not unheard of for modders to be hired on as actual content creators. Um, so it's not an unrealistic 
it's it's like trying to get into the NFL, the NBA, or the NBA. You've got to be the best of the best. But if you've got the chops, then this is this could be your your ticket. So go for it, guys. I think the, the more you encourage, with so many games, games and games type that used to be heavily moddable, where the the modding has been locked out because studios have decided they they want no differentiation between the PC version and the console version, and allowing mods, you know, allows the PC version to be vastly different. You know, and so much better in many ways. In many cases. Because uh, I think it's a completely stupid decision to not allow modding. Because um, you, time and again, games have enjoyed long lifetimes, way past what their replayability would have been with the original content. And that can only equate to more sales. Because you know, somebody will go and buy your game to run a mod if it's good enough. Right. Um, Absolutely. So why would you want to lock the modding community out of your game? I, just, I don't get that. So anything that encourages studios to pro- to provide modding tools and permit modding, I think, is only a good thing. Now, True, you snuck in here. Is this to comment on something we've already talked about or to introduce a different topic? Because we have Actually, it was about the Steam thing. It's ah, like, uh, good. We're not done with that. Go for it. And, uh, yeah, you, you, the 75% thing... Now, when they're talking about the Team Fortress 2 and the Dota thing, you're basically art, and that is completely justifiable on art. And 90% of these of these uh, mods for Skyrim are just art. They're a new sword, they're a new whatever. But there are also mods that are like major add-ons of content. Mm-hmm. And uh, for example, example, uh, there's a there's if you look on the Steam store, there's something called Aperture Tag, which is a, a, a mod for Portal 2. That's a total conversion, and you buy it as a separate game. It's not even in the mod section. Hmm. And I think uh, Steam's probably going to have to open that up if they can to other things so that the maybe they can work out different deals for a different negotiation. Because right now the problem is it's a double dip. Bethesda wants their part, and right. Valve has to get their part. And Valve kind of has to get their part just to pay for all the accounting and the credit card fees and all the crap they're going to go through with this crud. Right. <laughs> So, yeah, so there, I, there, there's, I, I a, there's a bit of a bit of overhead. 40 percent. Yeah, <laughs> for all the, dealing with all that crap. Mm-hmm. But uh, there needs to be. There's probably going to need to be a little less uh, digging on Bethesda's side. Right. Now, what I'm going to see interesting is when some of the other publishers come in, especially some of the more European publishers, the more socialistic publishers like Paradox. Mm-hmm. I will bet you that if Paradox comes in and turns on "quote unquote" viable mods. They would go at a much lower rate because they've they're like, please God, mod our games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> games they they frankly jump up and down people to add stuff to city skylines and magic and all their games. Yeah, I was watching if they think at all, it'll probably be like five ten percent. And suddenly, oh, you only get you only get twenty five percent of your money on Skyrim, but you get sixty five you you get sixty five percent on city skylines. Ooh, let's see where did they, where did they, it's like uh, let's see are all these paid modders going to that game. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's a weird way of courting free agent talent to your platform. Yep. Uh, Quote Terry Pratchett: uh, "Take a smaller slice, to, take a smaller slice, but enlarge the pie." Right. This is not right. this is not a new concept. Well, I mean, and yeah, I mean, in the end, you know, as as they're fond of saying in America, the market figures itself out. Right. Exactly. So this is just the first game, and as they expand it out there, we'll get an idea of really what do what do modders feel is 
the worth of their product and and more importantly what do consumers feel the worth of that product is because you'll have modders that are probably going to price themselves out of a lot of people using their mod um, and vice versa. You may have modders that make it just like pay what you want and end up doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think over the next year or so, especially if they expand this out to a lot of games, you're going to see it shake down to where you get a pretty decent idea. If you've made an art asset, this is how much it's going to cost. If, you, if you're making a uh, total conversion, this is what you can expect to, to set the price at. Yep. Correct. All right, moving on to a now that I've seen it, it makes complete sense department uh, from Polygon.com. They refer to a video on YouTube. The video is titled, What if Man of Steel was in color? Which, when you see the video they've created where they've resaturated the color palette in some scenes from Man of Steel, uh, Mm -hmm. it really starkly outlines the degree to which they pulled the color out of that movie in post-production. Oh, yeah. Because they show, on this article, they show, um, or in the video, they show photos taken on set, and you realize how colorful and bright the colors were in the suit, in the Superman suit. It was... It was a good-looking suit. Good-looking suit, and the colors were barely different from the Christopher Reeve era. Correct. And then you, they do a lot of split screens in this video showing here's the footage that was, you know, put in the movie after desaturation. And here's what we have rejiggered it to look as closely as to what we think it looked like before they, they post-processed it. I think it looks a hell of a lot better with the color in it. I agree. I agree, actually. I think it looks a lot better with the color in it. Uh, not, I, not just I didn't suit, realize how much I missed the, the sky until they showed it. Yeah, that was a big Their one. proper color. The skies were so gray in that film. And, and you, you don't notice it as much when you're in it. No. But when you see the side-by-side, like, wow, they really... And the video, they talk about understanding the reasoning behind it. Because they were, they were on the tail of the very, very successful trilogy of Christopher Nolan Batman films. Right. Where... They did this exact same bit. They they desaturated the color throughout all those movies. That's a Batman film. Right. Yep. That makes total sense. Of course. He's a dark He sees dark he night. sees no color. He sees no no joy. You know, he, he lives to avenge. You know, that's 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 Bruce Wayne for you. He's not yeah. not a happy person. Um and I know they were retooling the Superman origin to be grimmer than previous iterations. You know, we've talked previously on the show about how much it was, the movie was very much from a standpoint of fear. Do not reveal yourselves, you yourself, you will not be accepted, you know, hide, hide, you know, just don't. And so Mm -hmm. his, his father, his adopted father feared, he instilled that, fear in his son so it was you know and and the character behaved believably with that being his upbringing i have something to hide i need to contain and 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 control myself or i will hurt somebody or or worse i will be i will be discovered um so that's a, a pretty grim place to come from 
And that's what a lot of people objected to. It's like, but that's not what Superman's supposed to be. He's supposed to be the ultimate patriot, the ultimate Boy Scout. The everything is sunshine and kittens, and, and I have the power to make it so. Um, so the writing was coming from that quadrant. So you know, doing the same visual treatment as Batman, I guess, makes sense. But my emotional reaction to seeing it says no. When I see it side by side with what it could have been, it said, I wish they had gone the other way. Yep. Correct. Yeah, I agree. I think that, and I think they make a good point in the video towards the end where they say, you know, Superman is supposed to be this colorful. And if you look ahead towards Superman versus Batman, it would be really interesting if they had it, uh, you know, basically side by side where Superman is colorful and Batman is the washed out. Mm hmm. Yeah. color and and really mix the scenes together that could be make for a really interesting uh visual experience to really show how different those two characters are yeah. well no, that would drive is... the movie critics that would just drive the movie art people insane well let it <laughs> yeah yeah can... but if it tells a better story yeah. i mean you know superman is the symbol of hope for a lot of people and hope is not dark and broody right. i mean if this is not new the matrix films they very deliberately, when you're in the Matrix, the scenes are oversaturated in green. Right. Mm -hmm. When you're in the real world, it's slightly oversaturated in blues. Right. Just to emotionally reinforce the fact that this is the fake world. This is the real world. This is the real world. You know, green is a color that is off-putting to humans. We don't like seeing people's flesh lit in green. It's one of the very first... Uh, lessons you learn in lighting design classes. Mm -hmm. You see these green gels over here you could put in your lights? Yeah. You're never going to take those out of the filing cabinet because <laughs> you don't point that color at human beings because it makes us look horrible, flat, sickly. So unless you're, you have a scene that calls for someone to be disturbing and sickly and just emotionally off-putting, don't ever use green. So right. Or The Matrix, the musical. Is that a thing? <laughs> It could be. We could do it. That's true. Yes, we could. But should we? You see, with great stupidity comes great responsibility. And no, we're not going there. I'll start writing a script. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see what they... It's not too late for them to change their artistic approach. I mean, that one is far from post-production at this point. Or, or it's in the very early stages of post. And there have already been, you know, the, the poster they put out... People were looking at Gal Gadot in, in the Wonder Woman costume and saying, wow, that's really dark. And yep. the same thing, they've, they've had shots of the costume hanging on a mannequin and say, oh, that is blue and red. Yeah. Because they did the same pulling the color out technique for the poster. So let's see what we get. Um, but see, Wonder Woman's another one. Wonder Woman is not a dark character. She's... No. She's more like Superman. Yeah, That's, not, she's not at all a dark She's character. not dark at all whatsoever. There's not a dark bone in that girl's body. Oh, see, my favorite iteration of Diana was in Superman Batman Apocalypse, which is a, it's actually a Supergirl story. Um, and so Supergirl arrives, Kal-El takes her under his wing and is trying to integrate her into human society and Diana has other plans. She says, no, this isn't just up to you. She is far too dangerous. And she comes and basically kidnaps um, Kara from, you know, from Superman directly. He's right there, and she kicks his ass. Um, and she's 
portrayed as very regal, very much the queen of the Amazons at that point, where I got some stuff I've got to do, and I, and I am duty and honor bound to do it, and I'm going to do it. Not in the dark way, just in a, right. know, I got to do what I got to do. Again, it's do. duty and honor. Right. It's not... It's not like it's not revenge. No, it's not, not ill intention. Trying to what? Yeah, it's not trying to one up anybody. It's just, I just don't feel she's. I feel like yes, everyone has their dark side. All, all superheroes have that side where they eventually just can kick some ass for the sake of kicking ass. But I just feel like she is another one of the characters that's more. You know, happy. Mm-hmm. It's like Rogue. Rogue is not a happy character. No. Right. Rogue is a very dark character. I mean, she can't touch anybody for God's sakes. That's a horrible thing to live with. Yeah. And I think and when you look at Superman and Wonder Woman, completely different to Batman, to Rogue, to Daredevil. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So I, I, I hope they head. I hope they keep the color in for Wonder Woman. I just I just hope it's a good story, well told. Because I Yes, I'm a Marvel fanboy, but I, w- I wish DC nothing but success. And I hope that the uh, Justice League movie that they're heading for is completely triumphant and awesome. I'm not sure yeah. if I believe that's going to happen, but I hope it does. Um, all right, so under the radar, we've snuck in Boba Fetish, who probably has something to say about Rogue One. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say... That's one of my points. <laughs> Hello, casuals. Hello. How are you? Hey. Hi. Hey. Um, first point, just on your topic of Batman. Did you guys hear that Frank Miller is supposed to be doing Dark Knight 3? Yeah, but I, I refuse. I ref- no, I, I, I couldn't look directly at it because the subtitle is The Master Race. <laughs> okay, I missed that part. <laughs> yes, so this is... The Dark Knight 3, The Master Race. And I thought, Master Race, Frank Miller at the stage I know he's at right now. (laughs) No good can come of this. (laughs) Okay, I missed that portion of it. But I I was just happy to see Frank Miller doing another Batman. So I just think he's... Yeah, but that news, I'm sort of in the middle of that one. I mean, he was always crazy. I mean, the man was always crazy. Oh, but he, 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 he's been bat shite crazy for years. But he, but he was usefully bat crap crazy, you know, during the Dark Knight Returns era. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. But anyway, I wanted I, to I, touch I, I on... I have tremendous trepidation about that. <laughs> wanted to touch on the Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Have you guys heard about this? Or have you guys all been living under a rock? Which bit? I mean, I've, I've seen the little teaser trailer with the Sir Alec Guinness voiceover, the generic forest, and then the pan up to the Death Star 1.0 looming, uh, you know, uh, in orbit. Essentially, they've leaked the storyline for the movie. Right. We talked about right. that earlier. The, yeah. The, basically, it's the group of people who go to steal the plans for the Death Star in the lead up to... Uh, exactly. Hope. So it's nothing to do with Rogue Squadron nope. or Luke or Wedge, I'm which is what weird. I was hoping for. Yeah, me too. And I don't, I don't know. I mean... Well, this could be the precursor to forming Rogue Squadron, though. True. True. This could be... There's be a lot of dead boffins. Right, right. Well, yeah, what everyone forgets cool. is the the many Bothans died to obtain the information about Death Star 2.0. Uh, there's no indication that many Bothans died to bring them this information. It's just a good joke. 
I'm sorry, uh, that was the first movie. I thought nope, it was the first one. That Ma- no, that was, that was Mon Mothma's speech in Return of the Jedi, where she does that moment where she kind of trails off as many Bothans die. To really don't, information. Most people don't like Bothans anyway. Yeah, so. I don't know if it was that big of a loss. <laughs> they smell like milk, what, man. Ugh. What What gets me is that it's they're never really seen no, on they're screen, not. so you don't know what they look like. That's right, so they can be anything we want them to be, and I want them to be weird. <laughs> and, and dead. And dead. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so how many Bothans do we need to kill to, to, to solve this mission? Okay, line them up. Oh Man. my god! And you know, it it struck me after our conversation last week, Gnome, of the whole new movies that are coming out. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I don't want to happen beyond J.J. Abrams doing his whole lens flare. Stuff right. Um, can you imagine a Star Wars with where you where you have the pre roll credits like you do on movies typically? Well, this is this is a weird place we get into with the rules written by the Screen Actors Guild that are these hardcore. Here is the order in which people must be shown on the screen. What does starring versus also starring versus featuring versus with a special appearance by. This is all mapped out in painstaking detail. What is the hierarchy of who gets shown? George Lucas always said, the hell with this. Because he didn't. uh, He did a lot of stuff non-union. Yes. I mean, you you can re, but that's no longer the case because Disney Marvel is right in there with SAG. So... It's going to be weird enough for us to go into a Star Wars film without the 20th Century Fox fanfare. Because you forget how, yes. how weird that was in the prequels when that wasn't there. Because you know, before you're used to seeing, you know, before you see a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, your brain just expects to have had the dun 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 because it was just part of the experience. Yeah, but stopped. now imagine having five minutes of pre-roll credit for the actors that are in the movie. It is possible to get exceptions written. Because if you look at sure. uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, they went through the pain and suffering of, of getting, you know, paying some money to SAG and getting a, an exception written. So they could just put up Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, and just go straight into the movie. Yeah. Apparently it was a major undertaking to get that done, but it obviously can be done. So I hope they go to the effort because there's an expectation of how a Star Wars film begins. Yeah. yeah. You've got a long time ago, you've got the orchestra strike with the Star Wars logo, and then the crawl of setting the scene. That's just, that's what we want from our, the beginning of our Star Wars film. And if someone forces them to tamper with that, then they have no soul. And they, yep. they should be removed from entertainment. Okay, at least somebody else out there agrees with with me on that one. (laughs) Why do you think we reacted so badly to the Lucas prequels? Because they're terribly written movies and have horrible acting and and there's no soul. They're not Star Wars (laughs) movies. We have... I mean, the, he, he, it's weird that he did such a good job, by removing himself from the equation, by the way, <laughs> setting our expectations about what a Star Wars film was. And he broke all those, all those rules and expectations when he got himself reinvolved. 
and what we're all silently hoping for and are encouraged by what we've seen at the most recent Star Wars celebration is that this new team of people feels the same way about it that we do, that they're highlighting the stuff about Star Wars that makes Star Wars Star Wars for us. Um, and I don't know if you guys saw George Lucas release this this week with, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmy, Kimmel? Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon, one of the guys. One of the Jimmys. Of, yeah, it was, yeah, Star Wars is not, was not about the writing back in the day. Yeah. It was all about the actual special effects. Mm-hmm. And, and it's good goes, that he understands that. He blatantly, he blatantly admitted it was like, writing is not my strong suit for actual dialogue. Yeah. I mean, the message seems to have gotten through to him amazingly. Um, and when you have someone you know, in a position that he holds within the entertainment industry, where it's got to be an echo chamber of, of sycophants and yes-men saying, oh, yes, Mr. Lucas. Oh, this is wonderful, Mr. Lucas, because their jobs depend on it. Um, he could very easily remain isolated from the real-world reactions to his stuff, and it sounds like he's chosen to actually soak up, wow, people really didn't like it, and people really hated my dialogue and didn't like what I, you know, I took these clearly demonstrably talented actors and made them wooden and unbelievable and unconvincing. And you can't blame the actors because they have this other... They're good in other movies. Right. You look at their body of work and say, no, they're freaking awesome everywhere else. So if it wasn't the actors, it must have been the director or the writing or both. Um, so, but it was a very interesting moment of humility. Um, it's uncommon in Hollywood, I think, for someone to say, yeah, it wasn't that great. And I'm hoping, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see the, the new team seems to be, you know, being well received and taking it all kinds of fun places. And I hope it goes I mean, on I forever. I think that's, that's why he sold it. Yeah. Because he didn't want the pressure anymore or the hate probably yeah. <laughs> to to have to deliver on any more Star Wars. Uh, and so he made a bajillion dollars mm-hmm. and called it a day. And I, I see that as kind of his ultimate vindication of, see, I wasn't BSing you. Basically said, you know, I wanted to bring back the, the, the <clears throat> fun, campy serial movies that I loved in my childhood. And the best way for that to happen was for him to turn it over to other teams plural of people because if he kept trying to do it himself he could do one movie at a time effectively when disney came aboard now they have these separate teams that are give us going to give us a movie a year for as long as we are willing to keep paying for it yep that does more to realize his stated vision than he could ever do solo so so props to you george we 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 dogpile on you all the time for all the the, the annoying and bad things you've done um, and your your freaky neck flaps, um, and but thank you for letting go of this. Thank you for letting these other teams take their shot. Maybe they'll stumble and fall. Maybe they'll make the greatest thing ever. Maybe they'll merely make a serviceable Star Wars movie. I'll be happy with a completely serviceable Star Wars movie that looks, quacks, talks, you know, acts like a Star Wars film that I expect. Um, I'll be Agreed. completely connected. No, if it also additionally is freaking awesome, then gravy. That's just gravy at this point. Added bonus. True. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. We and have- just on your your conversation earlier about the uh, whole Steam and modding community yes. uh, stuff that's come up. Yeah. Look, 
to I know there's a ton of developers that listen to the show. So my request, give me some more Civ 3 mods. <laughs> Come on, people. I know you're out there. Civ 3? Uh, I think that's ship Okay, I'm old school, all right? I don't no. like Civ 5. That's Cretaceous school. That's not old school. <laughs> there, there was a Civ between 3 and 5. <laughs> it's <laughs> no, a little wasn't. more modern. <laughs> no, there wasn't. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would uh, I would admit that Civ 5 is definitely a complete de- or a, a radical departure from the Civ model, but yeah, I wouldn't hold my breath on Civ 3 development <laughs> anytime soon. <laughs> paid or unpaid. Hey, there was a time when they, you- they did a Canadian's develop, development for Civ 5. Just remod that to Civ 3. I'll be happy. Reskin it to the previous version. Um, it, there was a time where you could have jokingly said to someone, like, oh, yeah, sure, you'll see Star Wars Episode 7 any day now. Ha, 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 chuckle, chuckle. Like, well, guess what's coming? So, well, actually, more important on the game tip is the fact that they've also released a trailer for Battlefront 3, mm-hmm. which looked pretty smexy. Uh, it looks really good. There's, there, was a lot, there was a lot of dismantling of it in discussions shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um where it looks to be, at least on, um, from people bitching about it, and then this is, keep in mind, this is people on the internet bitching about a game that hasn't even released yet. So okay. take it with the appropriately large grain of salt. But from gathering all the bits and pieces of information that EA has released about what, the, what features it will and will not have, it essentially at this stage looks like an update of Battlefront 2 just with modern technology with actually some features and capabilities removed most notably not a lot of space battles going on so or battlefront 2 rather um so they showed off a lot of very pretty stuff that was rendered yeah. in the game engine uh so, oh look adats i can pilot an adat and the, and the response was well actually that that runs on rails and can't be steered uh okay um so we can transition to space and and go go fly no space battles Oh, shit. Um, so it was kind of rapid fire, a lot of expectations being shot down. So yeah. on paper, you compare the feature list of Battlefront 2 to the available list of features for Battlefront 3 so far, and the list of Battlefront 3 is shorter than 2 at this point. Oh, yeah. We'll see what but actually launches. Even we'll see what, we'll see what you launches. take that to the new Star Wars title, it's even shorter. Yeah. No, I mean, no, Battlefront is the Star Wars title. Yeah. Okay. Um, We'll see. I don't know. I mean, I, I it think, hasn't launched uh, yet. I think they're uh, they showed enough off though. Uh, I mean, Battlefront Two may not it may not have as many features as Battlefront Two, but it's not like Battlefront Two did all that well to begin with, right? So maybe it's time for them to just focus on maybe less features and do them really well, right? And then DLC us to death later. <clears throat> Well, yeah, or, or have modders uh, create hey, some pay for mods. Modding communities, <laughs> they can sell them on Steam. Yeah. That's well, nice. no, it's EA, so it's going to be on Origin. Uh, Origin. So, fine, <laughs> fine, fine. You're going to make me reinstall that. Uh, Indeed. Um, so right. one last uh, shout-out before we wrap here. From the uh, Gawker Media family of uh, world domination sites, io9 has their clickbaity but useful ultimate guide to this summer's science fiction and supernatural TV, where they summarize all the stuff that is either already launched or is coming. Mm-hmm. And it's an impressively long list. It is a really long list. Now, it contains yeah. things like Sharknado 3, 
Um, right. <laughs> which I guess technically is fantasy. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they also included True Detective, which I don't think there's anything, especially in season two, that looks sci-fi fantasy at all in that show. But nonetheless. Right. Um, it did, however, uh, it did, however, have um, Penny Dreadful, which someone at work was talking to yeah. me about that said that it was a very interesting show and she liked it a lot. I've seen a lot of critical acclaim for it. Yep. Kind of spoken in the same sentence with Sleepy Hollow. Right. Um, mm. Which I have also not had the time to pick up that looks interesting. Um, Sleepy Hollow, I get the impression, starts off as one kind of show and then just flips into a completely other kind of show in some kind of awesome way. Mm-hmm. Um, where they, they kind of bait you in with, oh, yeah, it's just this, uh, this one type. And, oh, look, there's this whole other story that completely colors everything you've seen so far in a different light. Uh-huh. Um, which, uh, that's a, a, a storytelling technique that I rather enjoy. I like being surprised. Um, and it's hard to do at this late stage in my TV viewing uh, <laughs> history. Uh, so there's Penny Dreadful in there. Uh, Wayward Pines, uh, which is... And this is this, and this kind of puts the curse on it for me. It's M Night Shalamalama Ding Dong, uh, boom, yeah, awesome. Meets Twin Peaks. Uh, it's it's simply discovered as dis- described as weird as hell, um, mm. which, as t- shows like Twin Peaks have demonstrated, weird as hell can work. It can, sure. yeah, absolutely. It just has to get it has to catch the public at the right time in the right mood. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. It has to be a special type of weird, too. Yeah. It can't just be weird for the sake of being weird. Right. Those, those, there have been shows who've attempted just to be wacky and unpredictable and have, have died horribly. Um, the return of the rebooted and constantly retconned and, and altered Beauty and the Beast. Meh. Um, mm. Several here have not seen The Whispers, which is a brand new one. Um, TV horror never really worked for me. I know American Horror Story is, is held up to this awesome thing, not really mm-hmm. my, my scene. Uh, Hannibal Returns, uh, another, my, uh, my wife has gotten caught up on Hannibal and in a, fascinated in a train wreck kind of a way, uh, <laughs> enjoying it. Um, the actor playing Hannibal is extremely compelling. Um, Defiance, which is the, the strange MMORPG video game tie-in show right. with, uh, though... All indications are that the show itself is is quite good on its own. You know, just then the the whole video game thing can be com- completely ignored if you want to. Uh, and it's again a love a lo- much loved trope of sci-fi meets Wild West smashed together uh, with aliens. Uh, new series Dark Matter. Um, the crew of a, follows the crew of a derelict spaceship who wakes up with no memory of who they are or how they got there. They have to work together to overcome the threats they encounter. Okay. That's not a new premise, or mm-hmm. that's slightly slightly been done. Um, yeah, let's just go to the show notes for this one because this we uh, don't have enough time to cover. No, this gloriously lengthy list. It's gigantic. Yeah, but it it's is. it gives you a good idea of what's coming out. Yeah. Yeah, it, and it doesn't include obviously the things that are already out. So right. it, it has a small section of already aired or already started near the top, but it's largely. Uh, stuff that is coming. Um, yeah, but even, even those are, it's a very, very minimal list. Yeah, the one that has my attention is Sense8 or Sense8. 
because um, it involves Jim Kostaczynski. Mm-hmm. And he very, very little that he touches uh, that I don't like, uh, both in comic book world, uh, movies in the land of. He did the screenplay for the original Thor movie, and one of my favorite TV series in in genre of all time, Babylon Five. So he is uh, co-writing and producing it with uh, the Wachowskis, the Wachowski siblings. We'll mm-hmm. see where this one goes because they've, they've been having a rough time in the theaters uh, their last several films you know Jupiter Ascending not well received um, and <laughs> <laughs> well it wasn't and <laughs> as much as I love it for the acid trip that it was the uh, costumes were great well I, no I, I steered clear of Jupiter Ascending Oh, I'm the costumes ref- I'm were great. I'm referring to their previous uh, outing, which was um, Speed Racer. Ah, um, right. Which was from a nostalgic, you know, literally translating a an anime, a, you know, 70s, 60s, 70s era anime into live action and changing as little as possible. Complete success. <laughs> Makes for a really freaking weird end product, is all I can say. <laughs> um,. I enjoyed it, but I understand completely why it was not well received by a large audience. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what their efforts lead to uh, on the small screen. Fun, fun, just an, a, a, this embarrassment of choice we have. Um, so damn many genre films and TV series, and it's, we really have to pick and choose what we watch. Cause you uh, skipped right over Cloud Atlas. That was well received. That's true. Yeah, it was all right. It was okay. Yeah, I mean, it was. Oh. But I mean, it it did well box office wise. Yeah, uh, it did okay, which is why well enough for them to get their next film greenlit. So yeah, you can only have so many flops in a row before people stop giving you money. Right. Um, unless your name is George. Hence, Lewis. M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong. Shyamalan Ding Dong is on television. Ray into television. <laughs> next to the Bukowskis. Hmm. Mm. He hummed convincingly. All right, let's. Uh, all right. Steer this boat into the bay here. You have been listening to the ramblings of Casually Hardcore. You can find us on the web at alphageekradio.com. Told you about the email earlier. Uh, You can join us on the subreddit, and please, uh, we are very thankful of all the uh, volunteer researchers that submit their goodness there every week. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the time you spend. Helps us find the fun stuff to talk about, lots of stuff we might have missed on our own. Uh, you can find us on all the big social media, Facebook, Google+, Twitter. Uh, Facebook, Google+, just search for Casually Hardcore and or Alpha Geek Radio. For Twitter, the network, this is the, the feed that gets all the on-air announcements and other schedule changes and just general housekeeping tweeted to, is Alpha Geek Radio. For this show specifically, we are Hardcore Casuals. I am on there as GnomeWise. Grail is on there as Izzy Grail. That's I-Z-Z-Y-G-R-A-I-L. Dax is on there as Daxa C-H. That's not with an X. That's with a K. D-A-K-S-A-C-H. Uh, Boba Fetish is on there as Boba Fetish Wow, right? That's correct, sir. And the Barry Von Awesome is on there as Barry Von Awesome, correct? That's right. And True, what do you, uh, do you lurk on the, uh, the tweets? Yes, uh, Glitch, G-L-I-C-H, no T. No T. No T for Glitch. No glitch, no tea. Uh, if you like what we're doing here, consider becoming a patron of the network. Go over to patreon.com slash alphageek. Uh, if you get good value about what we're doing from what we're doing, send a little value back our way. Send us a 
buck a month, 50 cents a month, whatever strikes your fancy. Uh, helps us keep the network streaming, helps us recruit new shows, new talent, and go to new and interesting places to bring the content back to you. Go to tunein.alphageekradio.com to learn about all the different supported devices. There's really, if there's a, a show you want to listen to on the network that is live, and you are anywhere near a working network connection, there's no excuse for you to not tune in, because it will play on your potato. So tune in at alphageekradio.com to learn how to listen live when you want to listen live. And on that bombshell, I have been Gnomewise. I have been Dexa. And I've been Grail. I've, I've been true. Barry. <laughs> they screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Boba. Boba. And we are out of here. Bye-bye, radio people.